Welcome to The Healthy Me. I'm Trina Felber, registered nurse and CEO of Primal Life Organics. I believe there's a healthy person living in everyone. The Healthy Me is designed to help you call up your healthy self, step out of your comfort zone, shake things up, and get results. So let's find and empower your Hey guys, Trina here. And today's topic I'm super, super excited about. It's called Heal Your Hunger, How to End Emotional Eating and Start Living. Because that is the key to happiness is to be able to eat, right? Eat healthy, um, feel good, and feel like you're actually alive and living. So I'm really excited. My guest today is Trisha Nelson. Trisha, welcome. Thank you for having me. Great to see you. Oh, it's great to see you as well. So let me tell everybody a little bit about you, Trisha. So uh, Trisha has lost 50 pounds by identifying and healing the root causes of her emotional eating. She has spent nearly 30 years researching the hidden causes of addictive personality, which is a great topic and something I'm super interested in. Trisha is an emotional eating expert and host of the popular podcast, The Heal Your Hunger Show. She is a certified coach, speaker, and author of the Amazon number one bestseller, Heal Your Hunger, Seven Simple Steps to End Emotional Eating Now. She's a highly regarded speaker and coach, and she's been featured on NBC, CBS, KTLA, Fox and Discovery Health. I am so excited to talk to you today about eating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a good topic. So Trisha, tell me um, about your own personal journey with food and weight and how you came to help people heal their hunger. Yeah, very personal journey, of course. Uh, and I was an emotional eater, I think, from the get-go. I love to eat. I love to cook food. I love to, you know, serve it to others, play restaurant when I was a kid, everything having to do with food. Um, you know, and, and it didn't seem like a problem. I just liked food. And the the only problem I had was that I did gain weight. So as a kid, I was a chubby kid, and I hated it. I hated I had this roll in my tummy that I would scrunch up in my hands and like imagine cutting it off. You know how you cut off like the fat on a steak on the side of a steak? I'm like, well, it's just fat. So can't you just slice it off? <laughs> Thank God I didn't try. Um, you know, I had these crazy thoughts like I wanted to join the army where they'd force me to go through boot camp and I'd automatically lose weight that way. Ah, or, that's pretty like, extreme. <laughs> Tell me about it. Here's another extreme one. I used to um, think about getting some drastic disease where I'd lose weight without trying. So very drastic, violent thoughts. And that was really just because I was so out of control. Like I love to eat and I couldn't control my weight. And that combination obviously is really devastating for somebody who doesn't want to be overweight. And I was. And so I tried uh, lots of things to overcome it. I tried pills and potions and lotions and, you know, self-help books and 12 step programs and therapy, even eating disorders therapy. So I was really, you know, putting in a good college try and trying to heal my problem. And nothing I tried worked for any length of time. And I got to the point, uh, Trina, where I just felt so like, just hopeless, like nothing's going to work for me. I'm going to be, you know, spending the rest of my life going up and down the scale because I was a yo-yoer. So I'd gain 30, lose 10, gain 20, lose five. I was all over the place. You know, and I didn't want to throw out, like, I didn't want to 
wash my pans because I knew they'd shrink. This is before, you know, thank God we have spandex. But um, but basically, I just was, uh, you know, in this pattern and I didn't know what to do about it. And what happened for me is I finally met somebody who told me, like, stop dieting. It's not going to work for you. And go inside, like, look at the deeper issue. And that's really what it was about for me is looking at the underlying causes. And, you know, that's kind of when my my whole life turned around and I started dealing with that stuff. My life exploded. It just, you know, I, I've been able to be in a thin body ever since. And then, you know, Heal Your Hunger came about and I was able to share this amazing uh, system for overcoming emotional eating with the world. Well, I'm really excited to talk because I know that as far as everything that you said, that roller coaster that you've been on, at some on some level, I think that most people have been on that ride with you. And um, for some people, it's a constant struggle. And for some people, it's not as much of a struggle on a daily basis until you hit the high, and then you have to rebalance to the low, and then you go back up. So everybody's emotional journey is different. So I really am excited to talk about this. But tell me, first of all, you know, 98%, there's a statistic that says 98% of all diets fail. And why do you think that is true? Well, it's really on account of uh, emotional eating. I mean, people are overlooking this. Like the, everybody's all about, you know, uh, calories and fat and, and energy and, you know, exercise and, you know, carbs versus no carbs, paleo, keto, you know, all that stuff has its place, but everybody's overlooking the fundamental problem. And that's how did we get fat in the first place, you know, and, and that's because of emotional eating we have an emotional attachment to food that goes way beyond you know anything nutritional and you know if we don't get you know take a look at that and get on uh, that under control it doesn't matter what diet plan we're on we're always going to bust out of it and end up overeating and so I really think that this is the the hidden cause of people's weight loss struggles and and we're all smart everybody's smart out there and everybody has you know been on a diet here and there everyone has lost the diet battle. So intellectually, if we know they don't work, why do we keep dieting? Why do we keep going on that next fad? Isn't that crazy? Yeah. I mean, yeah, any any intelligent person would be like, oh, yeah, I know diets don't work. And yet, you know, oh, so we call it a different thing. We call it a detox or we call it, you know, uh, some other thing, you know, keto or whatever. I mean, we're really into this whole uh, idea of controlling our weight. And, and I think it's really because of that desperate feeling. I mean, it feels so bad to not be able to control your body. I mean, to have your body morphing in front of your eyes and not to be able to control it is such a desperate feeling. And I totally get that. I've been there so many times. And then, of course, they put all the diets on the, you know, in the checkout line. And we're just sitting there, you know, standing there waiting to uh, check out at Whole Foods. And even in Whole Foods, they have the healthy form of the diets. I mean, right. it's everywhere, you know, and we get seduced by that, by that idea of a quick fix. You know, when our house is on fire, we just want to put the fire out. That's it. You know, so it's so people are pretty much like, I know diets don't work, 
But, you know, this time, I'm just going to do this real quick. And so we just get seduced by just how desperate we feel and to to feel back, you know, to get back into control. So I think that's really the problem is that we just, you know, we don't look at the long game. We're always looking at the short game. If we sat down and we wrote down all the diets that we've tried, you know, we will see that our quick fixes have lasted over like 20 years. Right. (laughs) (laughs) so it's you know we got to take a good look at this and comfort you know we we all find comfort in a different type of uh food you know everybody's everybody's go-to item is different you know some people might be ice cream some chips whatever but why are comfort foods so comforting to us why do we do that (laughs) totally you know we're not binging on salads you know (laughs) like like it's the carbs, it's sugary foods. I mean, I, to me, my, my favorite food groups are sugar, fat, and starch, you know, <laughs> yeah. and if you can get them, get them all in one item, like a donut or a pastry or muffin, like all the better. So, you know, and I think it's, uh, it's for several reasons. Um, you know, for one, uh, you know, in terms of emotional eating is it kills our emotions. Like, like we don't binge on salads because that's not going to help us like put a blanket on our emotions and the heavier carby more fattening foods literally just deaden our feelings and that's what we're after I mean we don't want to feel you know we don't want to feel and it's not a conscious thing I mean for so many years I'm like I just like food like there's nothing more to it it's very simple Um, but then I started to wake up you know and to see wow it really is an emotional relationship and when I'm bored when I'm angry when I'm just not feeling right depressed you know, even happy, I'm, I'm reaching for food and I had to really take a look at that. So, I mean, that's a really a big reason why we like the carby foods is they, they satisfy us that way. Um, but also I think, um, there's that, you know, emotional eaters have racing minds. So there's definitely the need for that serotonin hit, you know, and that makes carbs. So, uh, you know, delicious to us is it's really chemically also, um, you know, doing something in our brains where it's calming us down because we tend to be anxious types, you know, we tend to be nervous Nellies and we overthink and we worry and we catastrophize and awfulize and, you know, you get a good, a good bowl of cereal and you're just chilling out, you know, and, so. Unfortunately, we get into that daily routine. I, you know, here on The Healthy Me, um, my basis for this is that there's a healthy person inside of you and every person. And we role play different people throughout our lives. And the person that you function from right now is someone that you created because you're comfortable with that person right now. But that person may not be the best person to be making the decisions in your life. So calling up something else. So this is has a lot to do with like what you're talking about with the emotional eating is that from where you are today, it might not be serving you. Is that right? Oh, completely. I mean, the fact is, I mean, food overeating saved my life. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, I didn't have a terrible childhood, but I had pain. You know, I definitely had pain and I had sexual abuse in my past. And I, you know, I, I had things I was burying, you know, a lot of emotions I was burying, you know, and so it, it served me like, I don't know that I would have really like been able to come out of my childhood with, you know, sane at least if I hadn't had food to depend on. So it serves its 
purpose. I mean, it does an amazing job, but then, you know, it really overstays its welcome and stops serving you. And and that's what it did for me is it really turned on me to where, I mean, I hated my body. I hated myself for being out of control, um, you know, and I just, uh, it, 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 it turned on me in so many ways. You know, I, I felt isolated. I didn't feel like I could really connect with my friends because after a binge, I felt disgusting. I mean, it's just so many different ways that it isolated me to be an emotional eater. Just the obsession itself, like always thinking about food all the time, you know, in spite of being with somebody or being with people I love, you know, to love food more, that's that's not a good experience. So um, it's really, you know, it's, it's really important to know that it affects us in so many negative ways where one time it did serve us, now mm-hmm. it really doesn't. And that's really interesting that you say that with um, abuse and, you know, because a lot of people, it's a protective mechanism. Your body goes into protective mode. Your brain goes into protective mode. So just because, and I preach this a lot of times with my skincare as well, you know, what we practice today, we don't, we didn't know better back then. So even with emotional eating and, you know, the things that we lived through that at that moment, it was a protective mechanism for us. Today, we don't have to live with that, but it's recognizing it. So I, I love that you're talking about this and getting people more aware of it. What would you say are the three main causes of emotional eating and food addiction? Yeah, um, over the years, I mean, I've been doing this work for 30 years now, and and I've really identified three primary drivers, like the three main emotions, because people are always like, what is it? Like, what's the one thing? Well, it's a lot of things, but there are three primary emotions, and this is, again, how we use food you know, how it how it serves us is we use food as, I call it the pep test. So the P is as a painkiller. Mm-hmm. So we use food as a painkiller. When we have emotional pain, when we have stress, when, you know, we're going through something super uncomfortable, we want to deaden that pain. And food does an amazing job, right, with the carbs. Oh, it does great. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it works. <laughs> so, um, so the E in the pep test stands for escape. And so we not only have pain, but we have fear. Um, and so, and we want to get away from it all. And, and this is certainly the case for me. I looked like a bold person. I did a lot of crazy things. I was a car mechanic in Spain. You know, I've done some wild things, but deep down in my core, I was very afraid. And so, uh, uh, and so that's what we do is we eat because of that fear and we want to just get away. It's, we're also super responsible, you know, um, in terms of addictions, like alcoholics are like, they can often be really irresponsible. Emotional eaters, you know, the foodies are, tend to be really super responsible because they're taking care of the alcoholics basically. <laughs> but, but, <laughs> but, you know, what happens is, is that we get like sick of doing it. Like we get sick of being responsible and we're like, I want to get my goodies, get them from my TV and just like tune the world out because it's too much like we just need time to uh, escape and so that's another reason why we eat and the third is on account of guilt you know emotional eaters are incredibly sensitive or we wear our heart on our sleeve and we feel deeply and so we feel guilt deeply and so and we take things to heart where other people are like they just blow it off it rolls off their back for us like we're, we're obsessing about things that we've done we feel terrible about and then we beat the crap out of ourselves with our eating. And so this is, uh, so it's a form of punishment in terms of the last P and pep. And so uh, people don't think of that because food seems like a reward. Like we're getting our goodies, you know, and we're, we're having, you know, a Friday night in front of the TV or bingeable TV shows. So it seems like a reward, you know, the I deserve it binge, I call mm-hmm. it. Um, but the next day, you know, when we've gone too far, we're bloated, we feel terrible, we cancel appointment with friends because we feel sick or we're embarrassed. 
You know, we don't feel like we look good. Um, you know, all these things. And, and that's what we did to ourselves. Like nobody did that to us. We actually brought that on ourselves. So it really does beg the question, like, why would we do that? Why would we be so self-destructive with food? And I really believe it's because of this sense of guilt, that deep sense of guilt that we have. And so these are the three drivers, the pain, the fear, and the guilt. And unless those are addressed, we'll always go back into that pattern. And that's why diets are so stupid because, you know, you diet and then nothing's been dealt with. And so you all you do is taken away your main coping tool and then you're left with all this pain, fear, and guilt and you have no idea what to do with it. You don't even know it's got a name. You just feel crappy, you know, and you're like, I need to eat again. And that's where the cravings come from. I mean, cravings don't just happen. They really emerge from our need to run for cover from whatever it is we're feeling. Uh, yeah, I totally agree. What what would you say would the, be the biggest myth then that surrounds weight loss? Well, that it's about the food. I mean, it's silly. I mean, it's and, and I totally get it. I mean, it's not like it's obvious. I mean, when you're overeating, it is about the food, you know, like when you're in that, when you're obsessed with chocolate and you drive, you know, you at 11 o'clock at night to go get your chocolate fix or your ice cream, you know, and Doritos fix, it's about the food. So it seems like it's about the food. It seems like it's all about the food, but it's really not like that's a symptom. It's a symptom of much, something much deeper. And so we get really uh, mesmerized by the symptom. It's about the food. It's about the weight loss, you know, and it's really not. It's really such a deeper journey. And if you address the underlying causes, uh, then the weight does take care of itself because you're not needing to run for cover anymore. You're just, you're at peace. Right. You know, imagine that, feeling at peace with your feelings, feeling at peace with situations, having more tools to deal with them. You know, and my programs really teach people how to literally like live without the crutch of food so that you can be in the world without always always, always obsessing and and eating something, basically. And I think most people can recognize that they have eaten emotionally and they have eaten when they're hungry, physically. So, like, how do we, like, when you're not in the moment, and we can talk about it, because when you're in the moment, it's hard to figure that out. How do you figure out when, like, when you're emotional and when you're physically hungry? It's a good question because they seem so similar. I mean, even to this day, I've been doing this for 30 years. Even this day, I can trick myself. Like, I'm sitting there, you know, and thinking, oh, I'm so hungry. I literally have this conversation with myself. Sometimes I'm, I'm like, oh, I'm so hungry. And then I talk to myself. I'm like, really? Like, really? You just had, like, lunch two hours ago. Like, are you really hungry? And that's really the key because, uh, and this is how I'm able to tell is that, um, it's something I call three meal magic, which is three meals a day with something in be- with nothing in between not something. But, um, when you don't eat between your meals and, but you have good meals, like nutritious full meals, um, in between meals, you're going to have some hunger and you're going to have some emotions. Okay. They go together. This is why people don't want to feel hunger. This is why people like snack all it's day uncomfortable. long. Right. We don't want to put our bodies in uncomfortable situations. Yeah. So for me, it's very helpful to have my three meals so that when I am hungry in between my meal, I can have this adult child, you know, adult conversation with this child, this hungry child and say, you know, you just had lunch two hours ago. Chances are you're not as hungry as you think you are. 
what else might be going on? You know, and it's usually something I need to do work-wise that I'm dreading doing or a phone call I don't want to make, something I'm afraid of or something I'm in pain about or something I feel guilt- guilty about, basically. And I can do that sleuthing work, but having those those clear meals helps me to do that sleuthing work. It, it makes it very clear. You know, whereas I'm eating all day, I don't know what's an emotion and I don't know what's real hunger. And it's just very hard to tell. And for emotional eaters, that's by far the best way to eat because it just gets really clear and then you're very like it's very obvious when you're emotionally eating because you're like wow this isn't I'm between my meals and I'm clearly not hungry and yet I feel the need to eat and people this is the first time sometimes people wake up to the fact that they are emotional eaters when when they're trying not to eat between meals well that totally makes sense because if you're eating between meals and you're not really like you don't need to eat, you're going to notice when you're hungry. So your body's going to be more in tune to the signs or the, you know, that you are hungry. And when you're eating snacks, you know, even if just call it a snack, it's equate a snack more with an emotional uh, response or an emotional binge or whatever you want. So to me, that totally makes sense. What, yeah. what's the number one weight loss um, mistake that we really should try to avoid? Um, I think uh, there's a lot of them, but I think the the really uh, most dangerous one, I think, for an emotional eater is really to skip meals. And this goes back to the three meals a day. You know, a lot of people, a lot of emotional eaters skip meals. I mean, of all people in the world, the emotional eaters are the ones who aren't eating. Well, yeah, because you're <laughs> trying to lose weight. Most of the time you're exactly. trying to lose weight. So you're like, I'm going to skip that meal. And then the next thing you know, you're so emotional that you ate three times the amount you were going to eat for lunch. That's exactly right. That's why it's such a uh, trap for people because the emotional eater's mind is like, ooh, I'm going to game the system here. Like, this is a good hack. I'm going to skip my lunch. I'm going to work straight through lunch. But it always backfires because, first of all, your body is going to get pissed off. Like, it's going to be like, no, no, no. Like, like I'm, I'm doing all this for you today. You better freaking feed me. You know? Well, so. and then when it's over, like when you take one bite, you think, okay, I can just have one bite now. You can't. Like you're so hungry yes. that you overeat. Yes. Yeah, it's so easy to bend when you're super extra hungry. So it's just so much better. Like you'll eat so much less. I mean, it's counterintuitive, but you'll eat so much less if you actually feed yourself regularly. I, I totally think that's true. And you know what? How do we manage stress? Stress is huge. Everybody has it. So let's put the elephant in the room. How do we manage our stress before it actually drives us to the refrigerator, the kitchen, the cabinet that has the chips in it, you know, those types of things? Yeah, people are always like, how do I stop, you know, once I started eating the chips? It's too late. Like, like you need to <laughs> you need to start way before that. And that's with the stress, you know. And so it's not the caboose on the train that hits you. It's the, the first car on the train. So, so the stress is really the driver of so much, you know, stress eating, obviously. Um, and what people need to do is have a morning routine where they get centered, they get still and quiet and centered and they really tap into a source of energy that's there for them because if they don't later in the day I mean you can't eliminate stress it happens um, but later in the day uh, you if you haven't kind of made that connection it's really to me it's a spiritual connection you know with your divine self or higher self or God or whatever you call it but you got to tap in you know and when you do that and you get centered and meditation is great for that prayer is good, good for that um, 
journaling. You know, I do something, I, I do all these things. And I also do something called a walk pray. So I go for a walk and I pray, I put my earbuds in and I talk to God, you know, yeah. so, so it's that making a connection kind of establishes an open channel for me that I can draw on throughout the day. So I can deal with stress. Um, but I will say there's also, um, another thing at play here and emotional eaters you know it's it they as I said it's not just about the food or it's not at all about the food but 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 the truth is there's actually a personality profile of an emotional eater and this goes way beyond and so there are ways that emotional eaters uh, really res- like react and respond to life uh, that's different than your average person. And I call this the anatomy of the emotional eater. And a lot of our stress actually comes from these 24 personality traits that make up the anatomy of the emotional eater. And so I'll give you an example of this. Um, the number one personality trait of an emotional eater is being a people pleaser. Of course. And so like, yeah, like (laughs) every emotional eater is a like consummate people pleaser. And so of course me as well. And I think if you're a mom, that goes without saying. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely more of a female trait as well. Truthfully. Um, it's hard not to be that when you're a a woman, I think, but, um, but, but emotional eaters especially don't have boundaries with their time and don't know how to say no. And so we end up people pleasing. It's also because, you know, we typically didn't get a solid sense of self-esteem as a kid. And so we, we think that we need to get it from outside of ourselves. Like we think that's the obvious place to get it. And so we're constantly, saying yes to people and agreeing to things and taking on extra work and projects in hopes of getting that 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 validation that we're so desperately seeking and it really gets us into trouble because it's really not about pleasing somebody else it's really about getting that validation and so what happens is we're typically like our expectations are dashed because nobody appreciates us to the point where we expected them to and especially not commensurate with the amount of work like amount of ass busting that we did so so it's like we end up not only exhausted and overtired but we're also pissed off because we never get it right to our satisfaction and then again we go home and we're like well nobody else appreciates me I'm gonna you know serve myself with this beautiful wonderful food and so we have the I deserve it binge and that just shows you that you know it's our own personality that's setting us up uh, really for failure and that's good news because you know so much of the time people think cravings just happen like they just befall us but they don't like so much of the time it comes from the way we're interacting in our lives and the and that means we can do something about it because it it's on us you know and so we can stop people pleasing we can set boundaries we can decide that whatever you know crumbs of validation we get is not worth the amount of stress that we're creating in our lives and we can say no you know and and it or I have too much on my plate you know I'm not able to do it which is never a lie you know so so it's just really important that we realize that you know these traits are really setting us up with the stress that we then stress eat over and and it can be de- deconstructed you know we can definitely unpack that and make different choices well i love that you didn't make it like um oh poor me you know there's nothing i can do i love how you point out that it's doable and fixable you can fix this you can change yes. this you just have to work on yourself it's all about you 
And, you know, in this day and age, a lot of people do more for themselves, you know, as far as self-help and things like that. And they're more in tune with them, their bodies and, and really just being in tune with yourself and knowing who you are. And it's always growing. You're, you know, you're always growing and you're always making yourself better. Mike, I have a question, you know, what about, since there are a lot of moms that are going to be watching this, how do you create healthy um, habits or a healthy emotional person for your kids? Like, how do you raise this up in your family? Because working on yourself is one thing, but portraying that, I would imagine that when you're working on yourself, obviously your kids are going to model after you. But I'd love to hear your thoughts um, about raising a family with this, you know talking about healthy yeah totally um you know and it's true i mean i always say it's not a childhood uh, obesity epidemic it's a parent obesity epidemic you know because kids are doing what their parents are doing um uh, but it's definitely true that when we you know as parents work on ourselves uh it it definitely that's the biggest impact we can make on our kids and so um i say our i'm not actually a mom i'm a i'm a step I'm a stepmom and and grandmom, but, um, but basically, you know, monkey see monkey do kids are going to do what the parents are doing. And so the more we are self caring, that's the best thing to model to your kids is having boundaries. You know, the best thing you can model your kids is not being a people pleaser, you know, and, 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 and it's so again, counterintuitive because moms are like, no, but I have to do everything. There's so many people pulling at me. I have to, you know, I have to prostrate myself for all the needs that are, that need to be served. But the best message we can send to our kids is when we realize our own limitations, you know, and we set boundaries, you know, we know our limits and we we're realistic about our limits, you know, instead of being totally stressed out and maxed out all the time, you know, that's not something to model. So I think Mm self-care is such an important message for our kids and watching mom, you know, if mom takes 20 minutes before dinner to meditate, you know, not easy to do, I get totally not easy do but first of all she's gonna eat less at dinner you know uh, as she's making her food she's not gonna be shoveling it in as she's cooking dinner because she's met it she's taking that time for herself when we come through the door after work you know or a hard day you know we tend to eat just to calm ourselves down you know whereas if we go to the bedroom and we take 20 minutes or even 10 minutes put on some relaxing music and you know meditation is the best but if you just literally get horizontal and just listen to some peaceful music with a candle burning you're going to be in such a different state when you walk into the kitchen so you're going to eat less but you're also going to be nicer to your kids you know and your kids are going to be they're going to soon figure out the connection between mommy like meet mommy me time you know at 10 minutes before dinner and how loving she seems to be, you know, because we just have done the job of de-stressing. So I just think self-care is really the number one thing we can do for our kids. But directly in terms of their eating, you know, uh, just having, uh, I think the three meals is super helpful. I mean, kids snack, that's what they do. But but, um, but, but their snacking you- is less emotional. Theirs is more physical because they're growing. Exactly. So that's totally understandable. But again, watching parents be, you know, have a healthier relationship with food is going to impact them as well. You know, it's, I mean, obviously being strict with your kids doesn't help, you know, that's, that's not the way to go. And, and just helping them really get identified with, with when they're hungry and when they're not hungry, I think is so important as well. Awesome. And, you know, another question I have is what are the three things people can do 
um, to begin changing their relationship with food? So important. I'd say um, we've talked about some of them. Um, having a self-care practice, mm-hmm. super important, you know, super, super, you know, have some kind of morning routine, um, you know, that's spiritual and helps you get connected to your source. You know, that is going to be so helpful for setting you up throughout the day. Um, also making sure that you can like have healthy foods in the house. I know it's not easy. Moms, I mean, I, you know, mom, it's the hardest job on the planet is to be a mom, (laughs) you know? So, uh, but making sure that you have on the ready healthy foods to eat um, because it's so easy to defer to, you know, junk food and fast food. Um, So just making sure you've got those. Um, There's some great recipe services out there um, like Prep Dish and, and, and other things where you get recipes and you learn how to just, like do some prepping ahead of time so that you can pull different, you know, uh, plastic containers out of the fridge and have like salad makings already done because it takes time to chop and, and have these things ready. So when you can do some of the prepping ahead of time and just have them in Tupperware containers, that can certainly help as well. Um, and then again, uh, not skipping meals, you know, like taking care the, the big message and takeaway is self-care, you know. You got to put your, yourself first, especially as a mom, you know, put your oxygen mask on first and it's going to have a huge impact on your kids. That's right. Absolutely. Oh, Trisha, I'm so glad we had this talk. So tell me, I know you have um, a quiz or something that people can go to about emotional eating. I know everybody yeah. out there is probably like, yes, I know I have some problems here. I, I'm, I'm going to clarify this for myself, but give them some information on what they can do, what, what your follow-up would be. Yeah. So, um, so everybody's an emotional eater. Okay. So it's not like you're not an emotional eater. Everybody's an emotional eater. I think, I think we were designed to have some kind of emotional connection to food. So we'd keep eating and subsist as a planet. Um, but, uh, there it's a spectrum and everybody's on a different place in the spectrum on the low end of the spectrum is emotional eating on the high end is food addiction. And so uh, I have a quiz. It's an emotional eating quiz where you can find out literally you get a personalized score of where you are on that spectrum. And then you have uh, action steps you can take uh, after that. So find out if you're an emotional eater or a food addict by taking uh, this quiz and you can go to healyourhunger.com forward slash free quiz. So it's heal your hunger com forward slash free quiz. And then again, take your quiz, get your personalized score and just learn where you are on the spectrum. Because, you know, I think everybody's got the tendencies, but it's, you know, what you do about it is going to de- be determined by where you are on that spectrum. Awesome. I, I'm definitely going to be doing that. And guys, don't forget to check out her book because it's a great book, Heal Your Hunger, Seven Simple Steps to End Emotional Eating Now. And pass this along to anybody you know, um, friends, you know, family. Um, it's a really good way to get in tune with yourself. And we've all struggled over years, you know, some more than others with food and what it's done to our bodies, what it's done to our emotions, what it's done to our health, and even our looks. You know, it's our, our ego sometimes is tied to how we look. So it's really a great topic, Trisha. I really appreciate everything that you've shared with us today. And again, they can find you at healyourhunger.com, right? Absolutely. Healyourhunger.com. Awesome. Anything else um, that you want to share with us before we um, are finished? Just be really sweet to yourself. 
Super important. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, yeah. And and set those routines and get yourself thinking three meals a day. Um, at least give it a try so that you're in tune to your body, in tune to your mind, and in, in tune to your emotions. So I appreciate it. Thank you, Trisha, for joining me. Thanks and, so much for having me. Oh, you're welcome. All right. Bye, everybody. Thanks for watching. Make sure you subscribe to keep learning how to create your healthy self. See you next time. Trina here. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe to the Healthy Me podcast and be sure to rate it and review it on iTunes or wherever you're listening. You can like the Healthy Me Facebook page and follow us on Instagram at thehealthyme underscore com. Remember, the info on the Healthy Me podcast is not to be taken as medical advice. You should always talk with your doctors before trying anything we discuss. Until next time, live in your healthy me.